Hey, welcome to Who Knew It with Matt Stewart. And uh, this is not Matt Stewart, this is Saran Jayamana. We're in Sydney, we're about to be in Brisbane, we're doing live Who Knew It with Matt Stewart's in both those cities. And we're also doing our stand-up shows, uh, Dry Dry, is that right? That is correct, uh, Who Knew It's with Matt Stewart's, and also Dry Dry in Sydney at the Manning Bar, and in Brisbane at the beautiful Powerhouse. Oh, so good. And we're you're doing the Who Knew It's at the Chippo, and at the Good Chat Comedy. Anyway, we'd love to see you there, it'd be fantastic. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Who Knew with Matt Stewart, the show where the guests write the wrong answers. I'm the titular Matt Stewart, and our first guest this week is host of the Do Go On podcast, as well as the Book Cheap podcast on this very podcast network. It's Dave Warnicky. Hello, great to be here. It's so good to have you here. What a pleasure. It's been so long. I miss you, man. <laughs> I miss you, man. <laughs> our second guest this week is from... Finding Jesus and the Total Reboot podcast, it's Alexi Toliopoulos. I would like to use this opportunity to say hello to my two friends, Matt and Dave. And I would also like to extend a humongous hello to all of the listeners out there in podcast land. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Oh, that is a beautiful sentiment. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. My pleasure. And hey, might I say thank you for having me on the show. Oh, it's an honour to have you here once again. I'm trying really hard to be polite. I think it's a new thing I'm trying to do to just be really polite on podcasts. I don't know if this is new for you. This feels like classic Alexi to me. Wow, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Alexi, allow me to explain to you how the show works. So, I ask a relatively obscure trivia question and our contestants have to write a convincing fake answer. I then read their answers as well as the real one and I have to guess which one is correct. Okay, are we ready to play? Ready. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, the first one comes from listener Leo McGonagall from Brisbane. And Leo's question is, what does the word spuddle mean? Whoa. <laughs> what does the word spuddle mean? S-P-U-D-D-L-E. And while they're writing their answers, I'll explain how the scoring works. So you get one point if your fake answer is guessed by the other contestant and another point if you correctly guess the answer. And by the way, I'm also playing as the house... I've put in two of my own fake answers with the help of the question writers for each question. And I get a point for each one of those that our guests choose. So each of us can score up to two points per round. It seems fair, but the probability actually favours me, the house. <laughs> and the house always wins. And that's actually been pretty true lately. I think I'm on a streak, maybe three in a row. So here oh, we go. Wow. Uh, oh, wow. Anyway, my our, gosh. <laughs> our questions come from our great Patreon supporters for the most part. And if you want to submit a question, sign up on any level via patreon.com slash pod, which is linked in the show notes. All right, the answers are in. So here is question number one. What does the word spuddle mean? Mm-hmm. Someone who sells potatoes by the side of the road? <laughs> An implement used to churn butter? To work ineffectively? To be extremely busy while achieving nothing? A puddle made of spit? <laughs> 
or a 19th century device used for scooping out and serving gruel. Oh, oh wow, a gruel dispenser. Well, that's that's <laughs> yeah. what I used to call them, but I, now I know there's a word for it. That's interesting. How, how do you imagine this gruel uh, utensil is working, Dave? Because to me, there's a couple of options. It could be a ladle. My mind went straight to ladle. I also had another option in my head. Have you ever seen like a device that's like a, almost a a big thing where you would fill it with gruel, uh, like a dispenser that would put donuts into a donut frying machine or to make the perfect pancake where you kind of squeeze it from the top down. Oh. I think that'd be a very fun way to experience gruel being uh, green, being spat out <laughs> by a device. Yeah. We've got, we got to fancy up our gruel serving devices, make it a bit more of an experience. Bit of a Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> There's no like chefs going, I gotta reinvent gruel and bring it to the masses again or <laughs> make upmarket gruel. I've never heard of upmarket gruel. Why not? <laughs> yeah. They're missing an opportunity here. The markups would be great. And that's what all these businesses are into, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Small servings. Exactly. Big profit margins. Absolutely. Underpaying staff. I don't even- <laughs> Underpaying, not paying them back, keeping all the tax, don't give it to the man. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm for the proletariat. I was being mocking and satirical. Um, do you have an answer, Alexi? Do you need to hear them again? Oh, gosh. I'd love to hear them again. I got. I heard the word gruel and my stomach started churning, getting excited. <laughs> like a like a spuddle? Oh, yes, of course. I was making a spuddle all over myself. <laughs> so, you've got <laughs> someone who sells potatoes by the side of the road, an implement used to churn butter, to work ineffectively, to be extremely busy while achieving nothing, a puddle made of spit, or a 19th century device used for scooping out and serving gruel. <sighs> okay, there's a few that I'm drawn to. I love the the... Spud peddler on the side of the roads, mm. uh, but I think I will go the butter maker. I like something about that. I'm imagining that happening, and I'm, I'm trying to imagine what the device could look like, and I'm loving it. <laughs> 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 I'm imagining it like a nice, fun little paddle that they're like smacking milk around with <laughs> in like a big bowl, and eventually that milk becomes butter, and I love that. Oh, that's such a great. Visual image you put in our <laughs> minds and the listeners' minds, Alexi. Well done. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? Look, since Alexi uh, went on about gruel there, that's all I can think about. And I'm think- I'm so tempted to lock that in. And I don't know if that was him trying to put it into my mind. And if it is, well played to you because that is all I can think about as well. So, put me down for a spuddle is a gruel device. All right. Looking in the gruel scooping device for Dave. Let's go through who wrote the answers. Firstly, we had someone who sells potatoes by the side of the road. That was written by Leo, aka The House. Wow. Great work, Leo. You almost got me, mate. Yeah, that was that was very tempting for my mind, too. And I didn't even put together the spud peddler that you had there, Lexi, which is a whole nother level of fantastic. Wow. I have one of the most intricate and fast-working minds. <laughs> I hear words and I can put them together. I find the entomology of fake made-up things by guys across the world. And, I mean, you really showed how your mind works when you came up with the answer, a puddle made of spit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear spuddle. I go, what? Sounds like a puddle made of human spit. <laughs> 
Uh, Dave, you went for a 19th century device used for scooping out and serving gruel. That was the house. Oh, no. Wow, congratulations to the house. Gruel feels like a, maybe a bit of a trope of mine. Uh, the gruel's one of your crutches, is it? <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, it's just such a funny idea. It is funny. Gruel. You're always reaching for gruel. such a fun gruel. word. Yeah, gruel. <laughs> It just, gruel just sounds torturous. You can't imagine it having a flavor. You just go, well, it sounds like, it, the word itself sounds like a, like what it would sound like to have like a semi-soft liquid being poured into a plate. Yes. It's perfectly named. Well, I assume I have no idea what it is, actually. But it's just like, <laughs> it's like a slop. <laughs> edible slop. Uh, whereas porridge, I love porridge, which is also an edible slop. Mm-hmm. They're probably very similar. But uh, we'll never know. How could we? Uh, <laughs> an implement used to churn butter, which Alexi went for. That was Dave Warnicky. Wow, Dave. Sorry. You have bested me, sir. <laughs> and for that, I feel extremely betrayed. I know. I feel really dirty about it. Sorry. Wow. I was so excited about that butter image. So, you know, at least I have that moment to live from. Yeah, that's right. I put that in your mind. I will be thinking about butter getting <laughs> spuddled up for the rest of my day. <laughs> That means the correct answer is to work ineffectively to be extremely busy whilst achieving nothing. Oh. Just absolutely oh. spuddling right now. Oh, gosh. And it's an old-timey word as well. It's kind of defunct. Wow. Which I'll take the audience through in a second while you're writing your answers for question number two, which comes from Bree from Buchala Country, Harvey Bay, Queensland. And Bree's question is, what was Penelope the platypus known for in the 1950s? Wow, Penelope the platypus. And while you're writing your answers, here's some more info on spuddle. According to Wiktionary, there's a few different uh, meanings, but it's possibly from the Middle English term for a short knife, and by extension, leading to a shallow plow, and from there to other more metaphoric meanings related to spud. There's the verb spuddle, uh, which includes the meaning to work ineffectively, to work hard but achieve nothing, but also to loosen and dig up stubble and weeds left after a harvest. You've also got to shallowly dig or stir up in an unsystematic manner. Uh, You've got to make a lot of fuss about trivial things as if they were important. Oh, he's bloody spuddling it up over here. We do a lot of spuddling on this show. (laughs) And then you've got versions of it as a noun, like... It's a mess or confusion. Oh, what a spuddle we've made here. Or an argument or dispute. Don't spuddle with me, mate. Wow. It's almost as if you could have done the whole round where every option was a correct answer of the word spuddle. (laughs) It's such a beautiful word. It means everything. It can just be whatever. There's another version of it. No. You were so close as well, Lex, because there's another version of it that is related to puddles. Mm Mm-hmm including a patch of wet mud or similar substance more vicious than a puddle. <laughs> Is that vicious, vicious, vicious or viscous? Viscous. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> I didn't read. I was I imagining, wow. <laughs> a vicious a puddle of razor blades, <laughs> flamed razor blades. I read it as, I, my brain read vis, uh, vicious. I said vicious, but it is viscous. Thank you very much. By the way, my favorite punk rocker is Steve Viscous. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> Steve Viscous. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Steve Viscous. I should keep that up the sleeve for a future <laughs> episode. <laughs> All right, the answers are in for question number two, which is 
What was Penelope the platypus known for in the 1950s? Her promiscuity? <laughs> uh, she escaped her enclosure at the Melbourne Zoo and moved in with the otters who treated her as one of their own. Wow. That could be promiscuous as well. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got... Uh, Quite the opposite here. Visiting a church every Sunday. Some speculate she was attracted by the sound of hymns. Oh. Not that people who go to church can't be promiscuous, of course. <laughs> no, no, they can't. They can't. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Living in a New York zoo, she posed as an expectant mother so she could lead a life of luxury on double rations. <laughs> oh. Wow. Or finally, she was a character played by a man in a suit on BBC television but he was fired after being spotted in a lavish orgy in full costume. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. A, f- a furry. Yeah. A first recorded, recorded furry. <laughs> 1950s furry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, so, you got her promiscuity. Jeez, I'm fine with that word, I'd say. Her promiscuity. Uh, she moved in with the otters, went to church every Sunday, uh, pretended to be pregnant, or was a character played by a man in a suit? Mm. I mean, I do like them all. I've got to say, they're all great. Yes. Much to ponder, much to ponder. What, there's, a re- there's not many things cuter than a platypus. And I would say one of them is an otter. Okay. So if, you were to put, if you were to put them together, that's possibly the, one of the cutest combos imaginable. So, I'm going to go with that one because I feel like that's a story from the 50s that they would have reported on that a platypus has moved in. All right. Mm, Unlikely friends. Although, they're probably likely friends, the platypuses and the otters. Yeah. Like, we'd have moved moved in with the elephants or something. You would have been, like, maybe... (laughs) Yeah. Slightly more surprised. You were... And it's a a female platypus as well, so it doesn't have that... um, The male ones have, like, a, a poisonous spike or something, don't they? Mm, that's right. Venomous spike. Wow, mate. Yeah, same as humans, I reckon. <laughs> the most dangerous animal of all. <laughs> Otters are the ones that hold hands, I think. Yeah, and they hold hands and they use little tools to smash things up. I know that about otters. Whoa. I I am thinking, because at first I was, Dave said something that struck me, which was uh, the 1950s reporting on it. And I think there's something interesting about, like, keeping the, like, tracking the behavior of this creature. And uh, perhaps I can see an uh, it's an in- interesting story. A platypus were to lie. And so I'm going to lock in the option of uh, to collect double rations lying about its uh, pregnancy <laughs> status. Okay, I'll lock that in for Lex. Lock that in for me. Uh, you've, you've gone for the two zoo-based answers as well. Of course, because a platypus in the wild, surely it's not making the news. That's normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How would they know what's going on about platypus in the wild? <laughs> what, the one who, who's, who was promiscuous? That could have made news. <laughs> yeah, well, the tabloids. I could see that making news of the tabloids. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, maybe she was writing letters to the editor about her exploits. <laughs> I've done it again. <laughs> All right, let's go through who wrote the answers. Uh, she was famous for her promiscuity. That was Alexi Toliopoulos. <laughs> a spicy one from me. Usually I'm not a spicy guy, but I yeah. think, uh, you know, I just like the idea of a slutty little platypus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, then you might have enjoyed the one where uh, a man in a suit uh, <laughs> was at a lavish orgy in full costume. 
which was the house, that one. Wow, house, congratulations, house, for coming up with something so intoxicating. (laughs) Yeah, that was fun for the the imagination. Mm. Mm. Love to have a little look inside Alexi's mind, seeing what he's picturing there. (laughs) Wow, it was quite a devious image, I might say. You may have noticed my glasses fogged up as I was hearing those words pass through my ears. (laughs) I did notice that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Visiting a church every Sunday Being attracted by the sound of hymns That was Dave Warnicky. Mm, sorry, I just I write what wow. I know and I know the church <laughs> You went in a different direction there, Dave <laughs> <laughs> Getting on with the Otters uh, That was written by Bree oh, And the house Fantastic Bree, I dared to dream oh. that that was real Beautiful tale that was waved there yeah, two different types of tail. One flat and leathery and one. <laughs> um, all right. So, one point there to Lex because he was correct. Living in a New York zoo, she posed as an expectant mother so she could lead a life wow. of luxury on double rations. <laughs> what, 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 is it, what do you mean? They know it was lying? Yeah. <laughs> but, well, what... I wonder what the gestation for Plylopus is. So sorry, Far. I appeared dumb and please edit it out if it is revealed that I'm not so smart. A Plylopus a rare creature that's like a mammal that lays eggs? That's correct. How can they lie about that? So, do they just have like a rock that they're like, hey, here's my little egg. So, feed me a little bit more. Feed me a little <laughs> bit more so I can lay, lay some more eggs like this one. Wow. Their gestation period is 10 to 14 days. Whoa. That's quick. Why aren't there more of them? <laughs> Should be taken over. They absolutely hate fucking. They hate having sex. That's what I've heard about platypuses. Well, you were banging on about Penelope. <laughs> she had. There was a. There were just one pair, and its mate Cecil. She would just fake pregnancies with all the time. Yeah, she just would not mate with Cecil. That's. It's the very example of not of you were the last platypus. On <laughs> exactly. <her>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm okay for us just to die out as far as I know. Yeah, no. I'm good. I don't want to go through a 10 to 14 day pregnancy. Come on. Mm. I don't have time but for that. Please do give me an extra lunch every day. That's all I care about. <laughs> I'll tell the listeners a little bit more about Penelope after I ask you question number three. This one comes from Emmy White from Albuquerque in New Mexico. Hey, Emmy. And Emmy's question is, which of the following is a real species of bird? So, you've just got to make up a fake species of bird. Which one of these is a real species of bird? So, according to Bree, Penelope was a platypus at the Bronx Zoo, known for faking pregnancy and abandoning her mate, Cecil. In 1947, she and two other platypuses were sent to New York City They became the only platypuses living in captivity outside of Australia at the time. Penelope made headlines for her repeated refusal to mate with the zoo's male platypus, Cecil. And the New York Times said that Penelope was not lovesick, but sick of love. (laughs) And that's why she escaped from the zoo's platypusery in 1957, never to be seen again. She made it, we can assume. They think she died, but I think she made it. Wow, do you think she's still out there? I think she's still out there. That's amazing. Pretending to be pregnant. Far out. <laughs> getting double rations. I like to imagine- Whoever she can. Someone should make this into a movie, because you always hear those stories about alligators escaping to the sewers and coming out humongous. Someone should do that about a big old platypus crawling through oh, the New York yeah. sewers. That'd be so Coming out through the toilet. Yeah. 
All right, the answers are in for question number three. Here it is. Which of the following is a real species of bird? Spiny-backed hummingbird? Mustached puffbird? <laughs> the little tiny finch? The bee-bopping-never-stopping bird? Or the white-feathered brian? <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. Some of the most majestic birds of the animal kingdom. What a menagerie they'd make. Is that a, was that a word meaning something to do with birds? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. We've I mean, got a I've grand menagerie ma- of birds. <laughs> yeah, I've had menagerie, but menagerie is almost menage a trois. <laughs> loving it. Making it sexier. Yeah. Well, how else would you mean it? <laughs> a menagerie of birds. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. This is a very, like, ornithoptic podcast. You're always talking about birds on this podcast. Oh, yeah. We love, we're a horny for horny here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think your listeners just, like, they love birds and they're like, we got to send in more questions about interesting birds? Yeah, that may be. Well, have we had another bird-related question so far? I'm talking about in the history of this podcast. We all, you love birds. Oh, yeah. You know, I think of this episode as not just the only canon episode of the podcast. Oh, of this course. is part of a lineage of episodes you've had coming out. <laughs> I forget you're a listener, Lex. I'm an avid listener. I'm an avid listener. I listen with great intent. <laughs> How do you listen with intent? <laughs> I've pictured you sitting there. I, I stern look on your face. <laughs> I do. I stony face listen to this podcast. Really, I have my hands clasped together uh, as if I'm posing in a very thoughtful manner as mm. I take it in. And probably every 15 seconds, I go, mm, 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 mm. Yes, 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 yes. Indeed, indeed, yes. Mm. A lot of people, they'll write into a podcast and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how embarrassed I was listening to this on the bus. I'm just absolutely laughing my pants off. I'm so embarrassed listening to this podcast on the bus because I keep going, hmm, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> interesting, interesting, rocking back and forth. As I learn new interesting trivial facts from around the globe. I, lo- I mean, I, I love both responses. I love hearing about people- <laughs> Laughing on the bus, but now I also love hearing about people <laughs> mm on the bus. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get people writing in saying they almost crashed their car. They were mmming so much. <laughs> and I'd say, what, were you singing along to the classic 90s tune by the Crash Test Dummies? And I'll say, no, we were listening to your podcast intently. <laughs> With great respect and intent. Um, is it my turn to pick first? Yeah. Do you want to pick first, Lex? Yeah. I can't remember what any of them were. So, you got the spiny-backed hummingbird, mustached puffbird, the little tiny finch, the bee-bopping, never-stopping bird, or the white-feathered brian. <laughs> wow. Okay. I've never heard of a bird called brian before, um, but I'm drawn to it. I am drawn to that brian option. I am drawn. Uh, but I also love puffbirds. What was it? A kind of mustache puffbirds? Or was that two that I put together? No, no, you put one together. <laughs> Lock in the moustache puff bird, brother. That's what I like, the sound of that little fella. Can't wait to see what he looks like one day. It's locked in, brother. What do you reckon, Dave? Oh, I'm all, I was also tempted by the moustached puff bird. But the other one, was it Little Tiny Finch? The Little Tiny Finch, yeah. You I reckon they found, they found the tiny finch and mm. then they found one even smaller. <laughs> so, they were like, fuck. <laughs> no. All right, this is the little tiny finch. <laughs> yeah. And then they found the extra small little tiny finch and it's just gone on from there. But yes. I'm going to say little tiny finch. All right, lock in little tiny finch for Dave. 
Let's go through who wrote the answers. Which of these are real species of birds? Spiny-backed hummingbird. That was written by Emmy. Okay, the house. Uh, white-feathered Brian, which Alexi was tempted by. That was Dave Warnicky. <laughs> wow. I have met a bird it's called not Brian. I've been tempted by Brian. Not the first time. <laughs> Uh, it's a beautiful, I'm picturing a beautiful bird, white feathered Brian, uh, distinct from the uh, the, the purple feathered Brian or all the other uh, different species of Brian. Yes, so many beautiful Brian's. <laughs> uh, then we had the bee bopping, never stopping bird. Uh, that was the house. No, I thought that could have been a real one. Every wrote the bop bird, and I'm like, I reckon I can uh, have a little play here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe put a little spit on this one Spice things up a little bit Yeah Then we had the little tiny finch Which Dave went for That was Alexi Toliopoulos Oh beautiful work my friend wow. Beautiful Thank you so much Meaning the correct answer was The moustached puffbird Which Alexi got oh, So Whoa Maximum points there to Alexi that round Gosh and I feel freaking alive right now oh, that, I mean you think that any bird called the moustache bird You think that's peak Or any bird called the puff bird I would have said that's the best bird I've ever heard of But put them together That's just annoying and unfair to all the other mm. birds in the world how, how is Brian meant to compete? <laughs> <laughs> I should say I love. I've looked at it. I quite like it, but I don't know if it quite lives up to the name, the mustachioed puffbird. Oh my god! I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look it up. I'm imagining a, a Pokemon come to life, and I can't wait to look at this bird. I've looked it up. I think it sucks. <laughs> it's shit. <laughs> they come up with this name. It's a. It may as well be oh. a fucking sparrow. This thing. It sucks ass. <laughs> It is, it I is, thought it was going to be a big old puff with a little beard, <laughs> little beak popping out. It's very hard to live up to that mustache. name. This bird sucks oh. ass. He absolutely sucks shit. He just looks like a normal bird. I'm going to see him embroidered on some garbage fucking quilt like a hundred years ago. He looks normal. This this I, bird is the king of marketing. The normal boring bitch bird. He sucks ass. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the the mustache isn't that defined. Sort of got it is like nah. a, a bit of a handlebar mustache going on, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a great looking. If I you just show me that say- bird without the name, I'd be like, what a great bird. But but hearing the name, then seeing the bird, it's uh, it's a letdown. It sucks, man. It sucks. Yeah. Shit. This looks like default birds. It should be called default bird. It's what you imagine when you hear bird. They go, oh, I imagine some little fucking thing with a beak and a couple of wings sitting on a branch. That's all it is. There's nothing exciting about it. It's called normal bird. And also, I think mustache is bad title. Mm. It must, a bird can't have a mustache because its beak and its nose are the same thing. A mustache is meant to sit between the mouth and the nose. Yeah. So what are they doing here? <laughs> it should be called maybe the goatee bird or something. Mm. I think you found the one thing that angers me in this world. <laughs> I'm angry. <laughs> I can't help it. You can't hold me back, mate. <laughs> I, I need everyone to right now Google Inca turns, I-N-C-A, and the second word, T-E-R-N-S, and that is a bird with a mustache. Okay, I'm looking it up. Okay, oh, yeah. now yeah. we are <laughs> yes. talking, Dave. That's Dave, a mustache. you have brought me back from the brink of despair. <laughs> I was about to start smashing and crashing and losing my mind, 
And now I can I can understand how bird can have a moustache. It works. That, yeah, it does. It's like because it, it starts on either side of the beak right in the middle. Mm. So that fully works. It's like a, you know, just like a Poirot, big Poirot yeah. mo. It goes off. It looks like it's been waxed. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, my God. This is one of the great birds. This is a fantastic <laughs> bird. I am I feel alive and invigorated seeing this creature. I can't I I actually cannot believe my day was saved. Oh thank goodness. Thank goodness. I'm I'm saying this bird without the mustache is another standard bird. Mm-hmm, yes. But that mustache and that little bit of yellow around the mouth just elevate this to a magnificent bird <laughs> on a whole other level. If you cover the moustache on this bird, it looks like if a pigeon fucked a seagull, which is the most boring bird you can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) The two most common birds getting it on. (laughs) But just a little bit of pizzazz around the mouth or the beak, I think, as they call them in the bird world. Oh, my God. Can you say that on a podcast? (laughs) A little bit of pizzazz around the mouth. I don't know if you can say that kind of thing, mate. You are a filthy boy today, sir. <laughs> this is a, this is a, we'll put, I have to put this episode behind some sort of sealed section, I think. <laughs> you have to punch in your date of birth to download this episode. <laughs> We're getting up to the halfway mark. We've got question number four coming up now from Colin from Tucson, Arizona. In the 1960s, who or what was Slenderella? In the 1960s, who or what was Slenderella? While you're writing your answers, here's a little bit more info about the very disappointing mustachioed puffbird. <laughs> I hate this thing. I'm going to mute this part of the podcast while I listen to it. <laughs> yeah, you want to learn more about the puffbird? Boring, sucks ass, and he's got nothing to tell you. Well, go to ebird.org. This plump brown bird is found in the Andes in Venezuela and Colombia from the lower foothills up to 2,100 metres. Females are darker than males with less prominent white moustache. Even less prominent. Not many similar species in range. Beware. I like this. This is a bit of a warning, I guess, for the bird watchers who use this resource. Beware white-whiskered puffbird, which is typically found at lower elevations and shows yellowish, not grey, lower mandible and more streaking on belly. Typically inconspicuous in the lower to middle levels of wet forest, where singles or pairs often sit motionless on a horizontal limb. That all sounds pretty saucy, actually. Hey, while you're still writing your answers, let's go for a quick break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, your answers are in. So here's question number four. In the 1960s, who or what was Slenderella? Once America's largest carpet retailer, a real rags to riches story, Slenderella had stores in 38 US states. The tabloid nickname of the mistress to the Italian prime minister, the first soft drink that was packaged in aluminium cans, a comic book villain who would unsuccessfully try to defeat Wonder Woman by negging her about her weight, or a powdered meal substitute that was intended for weight loss, but actually just caused extreme <laughs> diarrhea. Oh, 
That does sound nice. There's a little bit of there's a bit of a gruel factor to that last one. Oh, <laughs> I, I wonder yeah, I wonder when did, when was that realized? Like it, it made it to the shops. <laughs> It sold big. Well, back in the day, I think anything can go back in the day. You're just yeah. like, yeah, it helps you lose weight by shitting out everything you've ever eaten. <laughs> so, I think, Dave, maybe it's your first crack here. So, you got the carpet retailer, nickname for the Italian Prime Minister's mistress, first soft drink packaged in aluminium, comic book vil- villain who negged Wonder Woman, or the one that made you shit yourself. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking about the first... Soft drink in an aluminium can. Slenderella. I've never heard of it, but I'm sure there's plenty of drinks and stuff that I that I haven't. But then also, like, the Italian Prime Minister's love interest, Slenderella. I could see that as well. He's Gumar. Where did you learn the term Gumar, Lexi? It's from uh, The Sopranos and, <laughs> and lots of Italian-American literature. He's freaking Gumar, dudes. He's mistress. I think Slenderella is, it sounds like a nicer name for it, but I don't know what Gumar actually translates to. But as a word. Yeah, if you're in that top spot, the top job, you get the Slenderellas. <laughs> Gumar. Something about Gumar is not the. I don't know. It's just not a, mm. not a nice word in if, the mouth. You could believe Gumar is the Italian word for gruel. It's like, hey, we've got some Gumar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Gumar, aka Italian Prime Minister's lover. Okay, locking that in for Dave. Mm, interesting. I was also thinking about this one, mm. and now allow me to play a full game plan out in my head right now. I'm gonna say everything that my brain is thinking. The two okay. options that I was thinking about were the canned uh, drink as well. Oh, uh, that's the option. The other option, Dave was mulling about. There is part of me that goes, oh, well, to keep things interesting, allow me to also to pick that option. But here I am, Le- Alexi Toliopoulos, thinking that perhaps a betrayal is happening right now. And Ooh. this could very, in fact, be Dave's submission. He has put this in as his submission, and he is trying to capture me into picking his option by saying, wow, this one is so good, even I would pick it. But now I'm thinking <laughs> Dave has written this one. Hmm. I would pick it. It's so good. I would pick it. I believe that I'm in the midst of being double-crossed. So, there is Ooh. a paranoia circling every thought <laughs> that I'm concocting right now. And to me right now, the only safe option is to also pick the one that they've picked because Ooh. I am- And I am going to do that. What if I'm doing a double bluff here and that is my one, trying to get you to get it? Because if well, I lock my I own one in, I'd probably get none, but I'll get one okay. from you and none for the, none for anyone else. So, you locked in with mistress to the Italian Prime Minister? Are you trying to tell me that this is a bluff from Lex himself? No, no, oh, my God. I'm just wondering. I'm just asking you the question. You're locked in. This is tricky. I think I'm going to I'm gonna stay. I'm yeah. going to stay. Wow. He's staying. But I will say, I still think canned is a fantastic option. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've used every skill I have in human perception to detect every instance of movement and gesticulation from Dave's face. And I am also going to stay. I'm picking the Gumar option. All right. They call you the human AI, don't they, Lex? (laughs) Absolutely. They say this guy (laughs) seems like a creation, not, not a real human being. 
<laughs> they say, yeah, he, he does experience empathy, but in a really strange way, as if it's learned by picking up traits from other people. <laughs> All right, let's go through who wrote the answers to who or what was Slenderella. A powdered meal substitute that was intended for weight loss, but actually just caused extreme diarrhea. That was Lexi Toliopoulos. Well done for spelling diarrhea. I assume correctly. Well done. That's a tricky word. Well, no squiggly line came up. <laughs> I did for me. Damn it. I was... <laughs> I did it for me, and I was I was double checking it. I almost googled it, but I, is there an O in there? I left an O out. Exactly right. Okay, does not compute. Um, <laughs> the uh, comic book villain who negged Wonder Woman that was Colin. Okay, the house. Good one, Col. Dave's option has yet to appear. That's what I'm really keen to find out. Mm. Mm. Once America's largest carpet retailer had stores in 38 US states. That was Dave Warnicky. That was me. Wow. Okay. I have a true friend in this world and I'm sorry for <laughs> assuming that he would try to betray me. I would never cross you. Oh my gosh. You know, I am sitting here with egg upon my face <laughs> and a sad song in my heart. And that song is a song of doubting someone you love. Hey, you're forgiven, not forgotten. That's another song, guys. <laughs> and it's a sad song too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so the tabloid nickname for Mistress of the Italian Prime Minister, no. which you both went for, that was also no. Colin. Okay, the no, house. Colin. Fuck. Colin. Meaning Colin. Fuck you, Colin. Fuck. God damn it. So the correct answer. You were so close to getting it, but you no, freaked no, each no. other out. Was the first soft drink <laughs> that was packaged in aluminium cans or oh, aluminium. S- I would tell you this, I am livid right now. I'm absolutely livid. <laughs> well, two points to the house. I know you're going to tell us more about it, but I'm so keen to hear if Slenderella, Slenderella is still a drink or if it's that's just its legacy. I haven't really been able to find out that much about it. All I know is that it says proudly on the can, artificially sweetened. That's oh. <laughs> great. <God. laughs> like it's a selling point back then. <laughs> yeah. And also vitamin C enriched. The C stands for cancer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question five comes from Matthew Bohr from Kelowna in British Columbia in Canada. And Matthew's question is, what was the bizarre headline in the 15th of August 2008 edition of the Brisbane Times? What was the bizarre headline in the Brisbane Times on the 15th of August, 2008? Whoa. This British Colombian guy knows about the Brisbane Times? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Might just be a big seller over there. I reckon you made this guy up. You just revealed you got no listeners. (laughs) And you just, (laughs) you put these out to yourself, mate. (laughs) And you make up these names and the people that do them. I don't think this is real, mate. You can try to pull another one over on me today. Matthew Bohr, please. Get in contact with Alexi Toliopoulos, maybe on Twitter. And uh, what's your Twitter handle again, Lex? This is Alexi. This is Alexi. So get on to Alexi and say, I am real. Uh, it'll be in about a week from now, which will be fun because Alexi will <laughs> probably not understand what the tweet's about. <laughs> uh, but I think it would, be, it would vindicate me and I'd appreciate that. Uh, while they're writing their answers, uh, here's a bonus fact about tin cans from Colin, the question writer. Says, Hawaii has different soda can sizes than the rest of the US. This is due to having smaller lids, which use less aluminium and not upgrading to the one bottling plant on the island due to initial costs. Says aluminum, sorry. I've really struggled with the aluminum aluminium. 
All right, the answers are in. Here's question number five. What was the bizarre headline in the Brisbane Times on the 15th of August, 2008? Local seniors choir sued by Disney Corporation. Mick Disaster. Big Rat founded Big Mac. Free the Nipple faces off with counter-protesters from Suns Out, Guns Out. <laughs> Pineapple giveaway goes wrong. Six in hospital. <laughs> 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 wow, that's like that, that. I'm trying to figure out how wrong can it go. <laughs> In my head, I'm imagining. You know, the the most obvious option is like, oh, it's a bad pineapple got people sick. But in my head, I imagine it's like a t-shirt gun that fires pineapples. <laughs> At like a, at a footy game or something, and they go, go stem first into their face. <laughs> Unfortunately, it went wrong. He will launch into someone's face. But they kept going six times. Yeah. <laughs> we did it six times in a row. He didn't even go right one time. <laughs> yeah, we had six pineapples to give away, and they all put someone in hospital. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) That's option number four Final option is Man gets stuck having sex with Bench (laughs) (laughs) That's great Uh, A a Bench That's hard I mean what do you reckon Do you reckon he's on top or underneath the bench (laughs) Well that's going to depend on personal preference Isn't it Oh, I know, but like, which one's harder? <laughs> which one's more likely to get you stuck? <laughs> you're right. Yeah, Try, yeah that's to, true. If you're on top, trying to pull away, maybe you get caught. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if we're trying to logistically figure out how this happened, the image that was conjured in my mind is a man. He's lying face down on like a park bench, and he's <laughs> humping away, having a grand old time. He's Erect penises between two slats of this bench, and the friction is causing him to feel pleasure in his nether regions. Oh, but then okay. he's pumping a little too hard, and I believe two of his nuts <laughs> fell down that same crevice. And oh, then he no. got retract. It's a one-way valve. And excuse me if that was rude what I said, but I couldn't help but say it. Hey, you were wow. just painting the picture of your mind. All right. Uh, do you need him again quickly, or are you- you got answers. Uh, can we have a maybe like a quick summary? So you got the seniors being sued by Disney. Yep. Uh, the the rat fan of the Big Mac. Uh, <laughs> free the nipple versus suns out guns out. Pineapple giveaway going wrong or man getting stuck in the bench. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, is it my turn to pick first? If you want to, yeah, go for it. Okay, there's a few things that sound very 2008 to me here. Suns out, guns out, free the nipple. <laughs> That's taking me back in time. I like that a lot. Uh, obviously, the man on the bench, I'm think- I can't stop thinking about it, unfortunately. <laughs> the Big Mac with the rat in it. I do remember stories from back in the day of, you know, fucking rodents and things. But perhaps a better headline could be crappy meal instead of a disaster. <laughs> oh, that's great. I would probably... I'm going to go Mr. Bench. Mr. Bench. The Mr. guy that bench? fucked the bench and his <laughs> nuts got stuck through it. <laughs> what was the headline for that one? Uh, man gets stuck having <laughs> sex with a bench. Or with bench. Okay. 
Wow, well, it's not that. Okay, I'll still go with it. I'll go with it because yeah. I, I can see the picture in the newspaper. It doesn't specify the kind of bench. I wonder if it's like the full bench of the Supreme mm. Court, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm, in my head, I'm imagining. Do you really, like, remember the iconic image of the poo jogger, the Brisbane poo jogger, yes. the guy that got caught the taking CCTV a shit on a jog picture? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he looks he's looking at the camera and his eyes are glowing and it's just yeah. kind of like oh looks I'm like imagining a that but it's a guy on a bench. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, lock that in for Lex. What are what do you reckon, Dave? What was the what was the headline for the the Mick Rat again? Mick disaster. Big rat found in Big Mac. Crappy meal would be great, but I think crappy that- meal is, is fantastic. But oh. I feel that feels. Like, I also remember at the time there were a few stories of people finding stuff in food and... And also the Brisbane Times, can they, in 2008, is crappy too controversial for them to use as a word? It does seem like that's well, a that's headline that was used... do it. A lot of times, like <laughs> the Mick, Mick something, any McDonald's related story becomes... <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like someone wins the McDonald's Monopoly thing, it's Mick Winner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. But McJoy, they've probably trademarked every single thing, so they've probably trademarked McRat before this somehow, (laughs) (laughs) just in case. Um, I'm going to go with it though. I think it might be McRat. All right, locking that in for Dave. Well, here we go uh, with who wrote the answers for question number five. A local seniors choir sued by Disney. That was written by Matthew Bohr, okay, aka the House, a man that Alexi claims does not really exist. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, how did he write that then? He wrote that down. Yeah. Well, I believe it was you donning an identity of another person and then writing it as them. Yeah, you reckon I came up with the name Matthew for my fake (laughs) name? (laughs) Jeez, I work in mysterious ways. Uh, Free the nipple faces off with sun's out, guns out. That was the house. Oh, that that is a great one. Really good fake Mm, one. That was really good. Uh, pineapple giveaway goes wrong. Six in hospital. That was Dave Warnicky. <laughs> yep. Were you guilty? Were you thinking pineapple gun day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. And they were the people were. I was. You know, it, uh, life or death. They were critical. I was picturing it like a <laughs> some sort of FM radio promotion, and it was like the first few people in to get a pineapple ended up crushing each other in the stampede. <laughs> Then we had uh, Mick Disaster, Big Rat Found in Big Mac. That was Alexi. No! What? Did you punch up your own entry? I I betrayed you. I used it to betray you. Even though you never betrayed me, it is I who is the betrayer. I dared to love again and you ruined it. That is so- I can't believe- What is that the biggest power play you've ever seen, Matt, there? Punching up your own thing? Yeah, I think that might be- that's incredible. Deserves a point. <laughs> Quite amazing. Uh, <laughs> but that also means Lexi was correct. It is man gets stuck having sex with a bench. <laughs> and Perfect. was I also correct in how it happened? Did his nuts dislodge and get stuck between the slats? <laughs> well, I'm going to read the full story from the Brisbane Times in a second. But you're not. I don't. I think it was more the uh, more just the main oh, no. the main shaft. I think got oh. stuck. Oh, thank gosh. I thought you'd say he it was the other way around. He The bench was inserted oh, into him. Okay. <laughs> That's how it got stuck. <laughs> I hadn't even considered that as an option. But yeah, good right. point. Good point. Um, So, quick score update. We haven't done one of these yet. Uh, in third place, 
on one point, it's Dave Warnicky. In second place right. on four points, it's the house. But out in front on five points, it's Alexi Toliopoulos. Wow. Let me tell you, I got here playing a dirty game. <laughs> I think you can go all the way. I'm backing you, man. Take down the house. They've had a streak of three in a row, I hear. Yeah, house is on fire. <laughs> Ugh, we'll burn it down. Well, it's still truly anyone's game, Dave. Two more rounds to go, and don't forget the final round is worth triple points. Exciting. I always sit back until the, that final round, and then I really go for it. Yeah, you're a, you're a real <laughs> counsellor. That's a real a tactical. I've known all the right answers so far. Uh, <laughs> but you like to build that suspense. Yeah, that's right. Seven out of seven plus triple points. People, it looks suspicious, so I, I hang back. <laughs> Here is question number six. This one comes from Siraj Pierce from Macau. And Siraj asks, in December of 2015, the Premier of China went on national TV. What did he talk about? In December of 2015, the Premier of China went on national TV. What did he talk about? While you're writing those answers, let me read you the article about the stuck man. <laughs> Hong Kong. Emergen- so it's a Brisbane article, but it's about a story in Hong Kong. Emergency workers took four hours trying to free Li Jing after he attempted to use a hole in the exercise bench in a deserted park after dark. Eventually, they had to take him to hospital with the bench's 2.5 metre long metal base still attached to him after attempts to free him by draining blood failed. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> so, they tried to drain it and that didn't work. I tried to drain the main vein. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, that did, he had to go still attached. How did they set him free? So, oh my God. it took a while. He, it, he had to go to hospital and uh, the article finishes by saying, doctors said the 42-year-old was lucky to still have a penis after the embarrassing incident. So, he survived oh and so did his, uh, his member. Did he say if he thought if it felt nice? Did he say if it felt did nice he say no. or not? Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's quoted as saying no regrets. <laughs> No, he <laughs> no, no, he won't. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> that would be so good. I, I feel like he might have had a couple of regrets. He called the cops himself as well to get freed. So, he must he obviously he was in a lot of strife. Yeah, making the call to the cops. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's such a... You'd have to be like, all right, I'm doing it. What's I'm your emergency? Um, <laughs> um, oh. I'm currently having sex with a bench. <laughs> <laughs> this, this isn't a prank. I'm genuinely stuck. Okay. No, I, I am. I'm actually. Please. Please send help. All right. Your answers are written. So here is question number six. In December of 2015, the Premier of China went on national TV. What did he talk about? He challenged his political rival to an eating contest after his stamina was publicly questioned. Oof. He bemoaned the failure of his country to produce a good quality ballpoint pen. <laughs> he talked up the quality of his family business that was about to be launched on the stock market. A string of ongoing deaths among teenagers playing Pokemon Go and peak hour traffic. Or to refute reports that his feet are only size four. He was adamant he wears a size nine and a half. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you've got uh, challenging a political rival to an eating contest, uh, bemoaning the failure of the country to produce a good quality ballpoint pen, talking up his family's business before being, launching on the stock market, uh, 
a string of deaths of teenagers playing Pokemon Go or to talk up the size of his feet. Mm. More than twice the size as well, by the way. Size four up to a nine and a half. Mm. Yeah. Feels like that would be pretty easy to prove. He's putting some mayo on that one. (laughs) For sure. He's a seven at best. (laughs) Um... Wow. What year was it? 2015. Mm. Trying to cast my mind back to the Pokemon Go craze. Was it 2015? Mm. It was a little bit later. Maybe. I remember Hillary Clinton saying, Pokemon, let's go to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> that almost works, Hillary. Did she actually say that? <laughs> I think she said something like that. <laughs> let's great. Pokemon go to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> she lost. So weird. <laughs> The first one, because I think it's my turn to go first. The first one, mm-hmm. what was the the full wording of it again? Can you r- remind me, please? Uh, he challenged his political rival to an eating contest after his stamina was publicly questioned. <laughs> that was it. I was thinking about what I couldn't remember why he was challenging. Okay, his stamina. His stamina. Let's have an let's have an eating contest. <laughs> 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 that me like you're looking very tired. How long I can go. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, I reckon you're you're a bit old for the job. Also, also going to say, in China, I don't think political rivals rarely challenge people. Yeah. <laughs> Publicly. Like, you think it's sort of like a Joe Biden type who op, op, people who oppose him say that he's old and you don't have the stamina for the job. And so, he, Joe Biden calls a press conference saying, I will eat you under the table, Trump. Yeah, that's right. I can eat 48 burgers. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> oh, mister, you don't believe me? Why don't we bring in 50 hot dogs and see who eats more in 10 minutes? <laughs> that, would be, that would be such a big move. I'd love it. Man, I'd watch it for sure. That's great. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on the other ones. Can you quickly remind me? Uh, then I'll lock something in. Bad ballpoint pens, uh, <laughs> family uh, business in the stock market, Pokemon Go, and uh, feet size, foot size. Okay, I'm going to go family business. Family business for Dave. Mm, I'm going to go ballpoint pen. Lock in ballpoint <laughs> pen, please. Lock it in, babe. I'll lock it in for you, babe. I like the use of the word bemoan. He bemoaned it. <laughs> yeah, bemoan's good. I isn't like it? that. <laughs> he bemoaned it. He bemoaned it. All right. If you had used the word lament, would I have picked the option? Who knows? Oh. We'll never find out. Oh. Well, man, that's also a good word, but it's no bemoan. <laughs> All right, let's go through who wrote the answers. Uh, he was there to refute reports that his feet are only a size four. That was Dave Warnicky. That was me. Great job, Dave. I love that. Love that jump in size. <laughs> that's a good jump. <laughs> Great jump. Uh, a string of ongoing deaths about teenagers playing Pokemon Go and peak hour traffic. That was Alexi Toliopoulos. Yeah, I was trying to think what was happening in 2015 and Pokemon <laughs> Go came right to mind. <laughs> He challenged- I reckon that must be the third time it's come up on this podcast. It's a it's it's a great it's a great go to Pokemon Go. It was a cultural touchstone. <laughs> yeah. What a moment. Absolutely. One of the key events in history was Pokemon Go and everyone going <laughs> fucking crazy for it for a few weeks. Uh he challenges political rival to an eating contest. That was the house. <laughs> it's great. Wow. I love it. I wish it was. I real. love it. I do. I love just like politicians with hubris and go and not really thinking things through, but saying, "I'll <laughs> I'll show you." <laughs> this is a real funny idea to me. Um, he talked up the qualities of his family business. That was also the house. That's one no. Dave went for. Oh. 
Meaning, Alexi, yet again, you're on a hot streak here. You were correct. He mm, did bemoan mama. the failure of his country to produce a good quality ballpoint wow. pen. <laughs> I love this bemoaning minister. What a story. I love to take to the take to the news. Come on, we got to be better, guys. We got to we got to be better <laughs> than this. We're China, okay? We're we're a big, powerful country. We invented paper. Mm-hmm. Surely we can invent a better pen. <laughs> I can see why he'd, why he'd be bemoaning it. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the final question. Question number seven. We always finish with a cinema-based question, a film synopsis. And uh, Alexi, being a behemoth of the cinematic universe. Uh, oh, do not bemoan me, sir. Do not bemoan me. <laughs> means that I have to seek far and wide for a movie that may stump him. Uh, and as it turns out, I don't see that far. I go to his very good friend Cameron James from the Total Reboot <laughs> podcast to suggest a movie. And uh, that's what we've done this week. So it's triple points. Wow. Our contestant's going to write a synopsis about this film. Short paragraph. Short to medium. Well, I'm nervous paragraph. because la- last week, last time I was here, Cam did stump me completely. Which, I mean, that's the hope. If you know the answer, it's probably less fun. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. Let's find out. Uh, so, the question this week is, what is the synopsis of the 1970 film The Strawberry Statement? Okay. What is the synopsis of the 1970 film The Strawberry Statement? Let the record show, Cameron has once again found a movie <laughs> I've never freaking heard of in my life. Never heard of The Strawberry Statement. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He knows me so well. I've got no idea. You two do, you've done uh, multiple projects together about films in the past. You're two big cinephiles. Mm-hmm. It's true. We have worked together. We've got a history together. And I pray an even longer future. <laughs> <laughs> right. While they're writing their answers, here's some more information about those pens. According to the BBC, it has sent rockets into space, produced millions of the world's smartphones and built high-speed trains. But until now... One bit of manufacturing had perhaps unexpectedly eluded China, the ballpoint pen. A year ago, Premier Li Keqiang went on national television and bemoaned the failure of his country to produce a good quality version of this seemingly simple implement. Locally made versions felt rough compared to those from Germany, Switzerland and Japan, Mr. Li complained. The problem was not the body of the pen, but the tip, the tiny ball that dispenses ink as you write. It might be something we take for granted, but making them requires high-precision machinery and very hard, ultra-thin steel plates. Put simply, China steel has not been good enough, and it has struggled to shape its pen's tips accurately. Without that ability, China's 3,000 pen makers have had to import this crucial component from abroad. But according to People's Daily, the state-owned Taiwan Iron and Steel Company thinks it has cracked the problem after five years of research. The first batch of 2.3mm ballpoint pen tips has recently rolled off its production lines, the paper says. And once lab tests are completed, it's expected China could phase out pen tip imports completely within two years. All right, we're up to the final question. Question number seven. What is the synopsis of the 1970 film The Strawberry Statement? A preschooler named Katie sends the President of the United States a letter describing why they should pull out of a long, drawn-out war in Southeast Asia using a simple fruit-based analogy. Against all the odds, it finds its way into his morning briefing folder, 
He reads it, and it really gets to him. But will the strawberry statement be enough to convince the president to end the war? Mm. Canadian diplomat Michael Wright is framed as a mole leaking valuable agricultural secrets. After 15 years in prison and the breakdown of his marriage, Wright seeks retribution against those who wrogged him. Bougainville is a ras- <laughs> <laughs> They wronged him? <laughs> they wronged him. <laughs> they- You know, they wronged him. They wronged him. Oh, sorry. There's a note here. They also wronged him. Oh, okay. okay they wronged okay. him as well. They wronged him and wronged him. There's nothing, there's nothing wronger than a rogger. Mate, he got absolutely rogged out there today. I thought it was not on. You shouldn't do that, old guy. He got absolutely rogged. Rock. Uh, so that's the first two options. Option three, Borgenville is a raspberry town. Always has been, always will be, at least as far as the locals are concerned. That is until hip young farmer Douglas Loungeman arrives and starts growing strawberries. The town turns on him fast. But with the annual Bougainville Jam and Conserve competition coming up, it's time for Douglas to make a strawberry statement and win the Bougainvillians over. Wow, Bougainville. <laughs> Bougainville. Option four, college student Simon is politically apathetic but drawn to protests on campus because of the beautiful women in the crowds. His attraction to activist Linda makes him take politics more seriously and he soon becomes a fully committed radical. As tensions rise in the community between the university and the surrounding black neighbourhood over the construction of a new gym for students, Simon prepares to lay his life on the line for his new beliefs. Or finally, in the strawberry fields of Colorado, Jackie dreams of a life much bigger than her small town. She longs to dazzle the citizens of the Big Apple in musical theatre. Trapped by duty to her family, Jackie instead attempts to bring Broadway to her and stage a musical honouring the berry farmers and jammers of her hometown. Five mm. beautiful movies there. I'll tell you this, just straight off the bat, if I was sitting at a big desk in Hollywood, I would have greenlit each one of these. Wow. Oh, yeah. Me, me too. That's th- five thumbs up from wow, me. Wow, and I would have to disagree. I would be a studio bigwig saying, I can't see any of these movies making very much money at all. <laughs> <laughs> and w- another option, what? the title freaking stinks. The title shit. <laughs> Come up with something cooler. No one goes to the movies to see strawberry bullshit. You got to serve them something exciting, like, you know, salted caramel or some kind of berry <laughs> boysenberry of some kind. Yes. That's why boysenberry is served in a chocolate top. They love boysenberry in the cinema industry. Uh, either of you have a, have a strong feeling here? Mm. Wanna, either of you want to jump in? I'm trying to think once again what Cameron knows about me and where my gaps of knowledge mm. are. Um, one of them was a musical. What were they again? The musical one. Well, the, it was about a woman named Jackie who was trying to dreaming of the Big Apple, but ends up putting on a musical in her hometown. So it's not explicitly a musical, but it could be. There was, was the someone building a gym. There was a guy who built a gym. Yes. <laughs> there was a guy who who got into. Activism, uh, because he, because of the beautiful women in the crowds, and he put his life on the line to either stop or protect the construction of a new gym. Okay, I'm not sure which. Mm. Uh, <laughs> then we had the uh, the 
strawberry farmer who came to a raspberry town and he was trying to win them over. Mm-hmm. We had the Canadian diplomat who got out of prison seeking retribution against those who wronged ro- him and wronged him. <laughs> <laughs> and we had the preschooler who sent a letter, a, so- a sort of strawberry statement, if you will, to the president. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, uh, yeah, potentially, potentially it's going to stop a war. So pretty powerful stuff. This one's crazy. I this, I'm I'm torn all over the place. I'm trying to think of things that I don't know. Um, I'm going to go Canadian. I'm going to go Canadian one. Was that the rogged guy? The guy that got rogged off? That was the rogged. That was the guy who got rogged. <laughs> You're going to go rogged. Rogged. Um, yeah, rogged. I think being rogged is something to do with um, getting done over by the old president of the Olympic Committee. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there as soon as you said rogged. Um, that's so good. What was his um, name, Dave? This is one of the great names. Oh, it is, it is rogged, but what is it? It's like Jacques Rog or something like that. <laughs> Not Rog Antonio Samaranch? <laughs> that could be. Rog. <laughs> it is Jacques Rog. It is Jacques Rog. Jacques, Jacques Rog. <laughs> oh, shit. One of my favourite so names. So good. You got, hey, you got rogged. <laughs> I think I, I'm going to go with the the activist kid. All right, locking that one in for Dave. Yeah, a lot of activ- activism in the 70s. A lot of babes doing <laughs> activism. I reckon that, that that story checks out as a plot for a movie, I reckon. All right, well, let's go through who wrote the answers. So, Borgenville, it's a raspberry town. Then we had Douglas Loungeman come by <laughs> trying to turn it into a strawberry what? town. We should have a, a shout out to whoever came out with Douglas Loungeman. Uh, that was the house. <laughs> Well done. Dougie Loungeman. <laughs> then um, the house also came up with the preschooler named Katie sending the President of the United States a letter <laughs> with a simple fruit-based analogy trying Can to end I the war. make an observation about the house's writing style? Sure. Uh, these both sound like Simpsons, <laughs> Simpsons episode plots. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I didn't think they were real movies. So I was like, oh, this just sounds like Simpsons. Yeah. Very influenced yeah, by yeah. the work of Matt Groening. <laughs> That's a good. And then Homer says to Marge. <laughs> yeah, Le- Le- I had to change the name for a preschooler named Lisa. Sends the president. <laughs> and yeah, Homer is Doug Loungeman. <laughs> Making a tomaco. Um, all right. What else do we have? We have in the strawberry fields of Colorado... Jackie dreams of a bigger life, ends up bringing Broadway to her. That was Lexi Toliopoulos. What a beautiful- I want to watch that movie. Wow. Thank you lovely. so much. I will tell you, I was thrown by the title. I couldn't think of absolutely anything at all. That's <laughs> such a bad name, isn't it? <laughs> it's a weird title. <laughs> oh, it's weird. gosh. Uh, so, Alexi, you went for Canadian diplomat Michael Wright being framed as a mole who ends up uh, seeking retribution of those <laughs> against those who rogged him. <laughs> Um, special cameo from Jacques Rog. I was written by Dave Warnicky. Wow. Dave, yes, I'm the Rogger. Oh, gosh. Meaning Dave is also correct. It's a wow. college student, Simon, politically apathetic, <laughs> but then gets points. involved because of the triple hot points. women. The prophecy came true. Yes, triple points, baby. Wow. Dave, what, what, what was your thinking behind your film, Dave? Did sound like a good movie. Um, Who's playing Michael Wright, for instance? 
Oh, in the seventies, mm. who would have been good back then? Lex for a, for a, a diplomat, wronged, a wrong wronged. diplomat, <laughs> a wrong diplomat. Uh, I don't know, Bob Balaban <laughs> or something. <laughs> That's I, love a, I don't know who that is, but I love it. Would you believe that Bob Balaban is in the strawberry statement? No, he's not. Dude. No, <laughs> he's sure he is. is. He is. No, he looked this up. Hang on. <laughs> oh my god, he plays Elliot number two. What the fuck? <laughs> There's two Elliots in this film. Oh, wow. And Bud Court is the second Elliot. Wow. Wow, okay. You love Bud Court. I love Bud Court. I love him in a beautiful movie called Dogma. The the main (laughs) actor is Bruce Davison. Are you familiar with him? Yeah. Or the director, Stuart Hagman. Yeah, okay. I I, I know Bruce Davison. I think he's he's an X-Men. He's in the X-Men movies, I think. Oh, is he? is he the politician what guy from the X-Men movies? Yeah, sort of in my head, I'm looking at his picture. He turns into yeah, like a goo guy. I think he you're turns right. into a freaking goo man. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, I think you're right. He's the goo man. Politician wow. who becomes a goo man. And he's in Willard and Ben. Sounds like the critics really didn't like the strawberry statement. Uh, there's only three uh, critic reviews on, on Rotten Tomatoes, so they wasn't able to get a, a consensus score. One of them was by Penelope Houston, who wrote, Hagman, the director, got his training in TV commercials, and all too often it shows through in his flashings and zoomings <laughs> the narcissistic <laughs> awareness of the charm of youth. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty scathing. What a takedown. Yeah. Uh, but the audience uh, gave it a much better score, 73% approval rating from over 500 audience. Wow. Apparently. My God, I've never even—I've never even heard of this movie. How does Cameron find out about these freaking things? Because I think the last one he got for you was also had Bud Court. So I wonder if he's just like looked up Bud Court's filmography and picked <laughs> wow. out the obscure ones. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, maybe Bud Court, not that big of a movie star. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Apparently, this is a good movie. All right. Well, final score check here. Slumping to third and last position on five points. It's the house. Wow. Oh, yes. We Finally did it. crashing back down to earth. Defeated. Defeated the house. In second place on six points, it's Alexi Toliopoulos. Wow. And I played but- a dirty game and I got what I, <laughs> what I deserved. <laughs> you scored the most consistent of all of us, but out in front with points in only two of the seven rounds... Finishing on seven points is Dave Warnicky. Congratulations, Dave. <laughs> God bless you, triple points. Thank you all so much. <laughs> I'd like to dedicate my victory to Michael Wright, a Canadian diplomat who was uh, framed as a mole for leaking valuable agricultural secrets. I was like, this one doesn't sound too boring to have been someone writing it immediately. <laughs> Uh, where can people find you, Alexia? Are you still on break from your podcast at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm not doing too much at Total Reboot, but I will have a couple of episodes out around now talking about the best films of the year so far. So, follow the feed. They'll come out soon. Uh, and then I got a bigger podcast project about Australian movies coming out later this year. So, you know, stick around, follow me on the socials. You'll hear about that as it's coming out. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, especially the people who wrote questions this week. Please follow Alexi on Twitter <laughs> and let him know that you're real people. 
<laughs> oh, I just got a follow from Matt Stewart. What the heck? <laughs> uh, Dave, what about you? What's what's <laughs> cracking? What's been on Do Go On lately? I can't even remember. We've been doing quite a few topics as I bring up our website to find <laughs> I out. I quite a few myself. topics. I know we did the DB Cooper copycat killer. Yeah, we're doing about one a week, I think, these days. Gosh, you guys are mental. Yeah, we, we've re- recently hit 400 and we've done Mary Queen of Scots, Charles Kingsford Smith. Matt talked about the Shags, which were the best or possibly worst band of all time. I recently spoke about history's worst popes. There's quite a few better That episode, ones. people love that episode. That got uh, got a lot of love, the Popes. I wasn't sure which way that had gone. Yeah, I'm glad that people got on board with me uh, hating on, well, not hating on, but just talking about some bad, genuinely bad Popes, bad people. And the 400th episode, Jess told us about the Millennium Dome heist, which was bumbling crooks trying to steal a diamond out of the Millennium Dome. Very fun stuff. So, that, that's a few. Uh, people, hang around for the uh, outtakes at the end of the episode, as I've started doing here. I uh, can't remember what, but uh, Alexi did talk about some funny stuff earlier. No, no. Everything I said made it to the full episodes. <laughs> you have no, no content for me at the end. Everything I said was on point and hilarious, and there'll be no chaff removed from it. Nice, smooth episodes. <laughs> yeah, book cheats probably coming back at some point soon too, Dave. Yes, that's right. I've been reading up a storm. I'm maybe five or six books ahead here. I'm trying to bank the books and then do the reports in the second half uh, of the thanks year. Thanks so, so much for joining us, Alexia uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please give us a five-star review. All your reviews come from the same account. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> They're all from the same account. <laughs> Tell a friend if you think you know anyone who might enjoy it. Alexi, you're a listener. <laughs> okay. I haven't made you up. Have I made you up? I'm you listen back and now. there's only two voices on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cheers for tuning in to Who Knew with Matt Stewart. Now that you know it, I've been Matt Stewart. Goodbye. All right. Um, let's do it with Matt Stewart. Great, great title. <laughs> <laughs> My new spin-off show. <laughs> what would you do on it? Oh, it's, it's an orgy pod. <laughs> Fuck, you just record the audio of an orgy. It's the awkward small talk at the start, and then we just get down to it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of squelching. Oh, fuck, this is so awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I'm burst. I'm a freaking burst. It feels so good. Yeah, it's going to be real hot. So, I don't, if you two are up for doing it, um, with Matt Stewart, it, we, should, we should schedule that. Hell yeah. <laughs> Do go in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best subtitle ever. Matt, you just had a face of pure confusion and terror for a moment. Oh, did I? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a very, very expressive face, very expressive voice. <laughs> <laughs> Tells a lot of stories. Yeah, gosh. You've, you've seen things. Oh, yeah, I've seen some things. <laughs> Yeah, on his tail. Because the, the beaver's got a like a pretty platypussy kind of tail, right? Oh, excuse me. Did you say pretty platypussy? That's, you can't say that on a podcast, mate. Oh, no. <laughs> get, good Lord, you have to say freaking exception on this one. This is not good. Yeah, this will be an Very AI. rude episode. <laughs> I feel like they, I mean, they... Feels like an animal that could survive anywhere. 
It's got everything you need. You know? <laughs> For example. <laughs> Duckbill. Yep. Uh, fur or whatever it is. For warmth. Uh-huh. Swimming Great. ability with flappers. The hands <laughs> can can make its way through the water or on land. Uh, males have got that venomous spike or bar. Really, it, re- it really is the the perfect it's creature. The perfect creature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently, they yeah. The there was an Australian platypus man who was like said in the press that he was very disappointed with Penelope, and he sent three <laughs> more platypuses over after she escaped. The expert being like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed, <laughs> Penelope. Wow, I've been to Tucson. What a wonderful town. Well, what's Tucson all about? Well, they've got a university there. That's where my dad worked for a little bit. That's how I know about it. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. What did your dad do there? They got a great desert. He talked about human geography. Oh, and how does that compare to <laughs> normal geography? <laughs> well, it's about... It's not... You know, I'm not talking about, you know, the map of the body. It's, it is about, uh, <laughs> you know, people and the places they live, you know? So, you learn a lot about Tucsonians in geography class with my dad teaching them. Okay. I'm um, looking up the list of notable people from Tucson, seeing if your dad's on there. <laughs> well, he's not from there. I don't think he would make the cut. He did like a month worth of lectures there. I don't think he's going to make the cut. <laughs> They claim him. They I think you know. If, I don't think you know cities that well, Lex. If if a if a big enough name drops by, they'll claim him. You know. Uh, Gary Shambling's from there. Oh, that's awesome. Bob Log the Third. Jeez, this is quite a town. Bart Bock. I don't know who that is, but what a name, Bart Bock. <laughs> White feathered Brian. Very funny stuff. <laughs> I think the listeners will be annoyed if I don't ask this. Last time we were all on this fantastic podcast, Alexi, you had a cake in the oven. Oh, you bet, dude. Behind you. We can see we see you. You're sitting in the same spot with a kitchen behind you. I've got to ask, are there any cakes currently in the oven? I hate to break it to you, but this week I am not unlike that princess platypus, I have no cake in the oven, but I will be having a double lunch. <laughs> yes, double. <laughs> have you been baking much, Lex? I have not been baking too much, uh, no, but I guess what? I just got an air fryer. I've, I have been finally converted to the air fryer family. Lots of people have been talking about air fryers over the last few years. I thought they were a gimmick. I thought they were bogus. I thought they were made for people <laughs> that were too afraid to use their conventional oven that their house comes with. But I got turned over. I tried it out. I got a discount card. I picked up an air fryer. And you better believe I've made several things in it recently. And I am into it. I like it. Wow. So it's a, it is a game changer, like they say. Do they I say would that? say it's not a game changer. My game has not changed too much. Just I have probably made chips a little bit more often than I normally do. <laughs> That's my main difference. So, the game has not changed too much. It's now often, usually I just make a steak and salad. Now, I'm doing a steak, chips and salad at home. Oh, okay. <laughs> just adding a little extra something. A little crunch factor. And taking a little bit of bench space away, I imagine. Absolutely. You can see it behind me. Taking up way too much bench space. <laughs> That's me pointing at it right there in my screen. That's it there. Oh, yeah. That is a chunky beast. Bit of a puff bird of the kitchen. 
How dare you insult <laughs> my air fryer? <laughs> All right, we're up to question number five. This one comes from Matthew Bohr from Kalauna in British Columbia in Canada. I'm probably saying, I'm sure someone's pulled me up for saying this wrong recently. <laughs> Let me. <laughs> I'm just going to turn a light on. It's just incredibly, I just saw my window here and I'm in incredible darkness right now. Love it. Hello. <laughs> Whoa. Holy shit, that's fun. What's happened there? Kalauna. What is on, going on? I turned on my um um my laptop to check the pronunciation wow, of a okay. place and it, it went back through uh in an on itself. Sounded pretty sick, actually. It was a wonderful effect. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.